Yay. All right. Well, as you can see, a part of the theme in there is about being thankful. And Ryan the Lion, the Holy Spirit's main man, was, uh, he started off the year with that about being thankful. And being thankful is so very important. And it's something that I have to remind myself of because if not, over in Romans 1 and 21, it says that our foolish hearts will become darkened. And so there could be two individuals in the same situation experiencing a different reality. All because of perspective. And with perspective in mind, our prayer focus today is on the holiday season. Or should we say the holy days? Come on. The holy day seasons. And starting off with Thanksgiving. Now, this time can be a very challenging time for families and for individuals who may have had people go to heaven with the Lord. This could be a time of seasonal grief. But we want to break that today. There will be seasonal memories of reflections of the deposits of goodness that came into our lives, not the grief that is perpetual. So that's not our portion. Now, let me get this iPad together. Oh, there we go, because we had a little disobedience going on. All right. And so can we please stand as we... Pray it. I'm, I'm just going to, we're just going to go before the Father and just, Father, we thank you. And Father, as we meditate upon your goodness in this season, we ponder upon your provision, your thoughtfulness, and your key instructions. And ask that the Holy Spirit will bring gentle reminders in these areas. According to Romans 1 and 21, you stated. That when we have thankfulness in our hearts, we'll be full of light and clarity. Comfort those grieving over loved ones who passed into eternity and those who have visited with seasonal grief. We take the reins of our minds and align our thoughts with you so that we may enjoy their memories without regret. regret and harvest the good deposits from their lives. Therefore, we break annual cycles of depression and tap into perpetual freedom with our declarations. As your body, we follow Isaiah 61 and 3, where you said that you have appointed to us that morn in Zion to give us beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That we are declared as trees of righteousness. The planting of the Lord. That you may be glorified. According to Isaiah 32, 16 through 18. We declare that justice will dwell in the wilderness. And righteousness will abide in the fruitful field. And that the effect of righteousness will be peace. And the result of righteousness is quietness and assurance forever. For your people 
will abide in peaceful habitations and in secure dwellings and in the quiet resting places. During this season, we stir up one another to good works and break the power of depression by following Philippians 2. Looking out not only for our own interests, but also for the interests of others. Within our families, friendships, workplaces, and community organizations, we ask you for divine reconnection, reconciliation, and restoration in relationships. May the communion table at Thanksgiving and Christmas be filled with joy as we build fresh memories of fun, fellowship, and freedom. Heal our family members of spiritual, mental, and physical ailments. Also minister healing for us and through us. In Jesus' name, we proclaim his fame. Amen. Ryan the Lion. Come on, the main man. <laughs> Thank you, Mo. Ooh, that was a full meal. That was amazing. I would really highly recommend that during the holiday season, when you're feeling depressed or dealing with life issues, that you just listen to that again. That you go onto the YouTube channel and Pull it up and just listen to that part and let that wash over you. Be so good. Al, can, I'm ringing up here a little bit. If you can turn me down just a hair up here, that'd be great. Thank you. Well, good morning. You guys doing well? Yes? Whew. Very good. Well, Friday night we had an amazing time at the well, our worship night. Sorry if you missed it. It was raining outside, and I know in California, the first time it rains, everybody doesn't quite know what to do with themselves. Doesn't know how, oh, it's raining? I can't drive. It's raining. I can't go outside. It's amazing how that works. <clears throat> Every first Sunday that it rains, I'm like, oh, we're going to have half the crowd today because it's raining. It's human nature. But I'm glad you're here this morning. Uh, so our Proverbs today, Proverbs nineteen eighteen. This is for our parents out there. Discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Do not be, do not be a willing party to their death. See, there's a consequence if you don't discipline your children. I know that's not fun for a Sunday morning. But there's also a promise. It says, discipline your children for in that there's hope. So parents, I know like when you discipline, your, your kids don't like it and they don't like you. But that's kind of the point. See, your job as a parent isn't to be liked. It's not even to be loved. Show me in the Bible where it says to be a parent is to be loved. 
I know I'm stepping on some toes this morning, but I'm telling you, it's going to rescue your children. See, my job as a parent isn't to be loved and liked by my kids. My job as a parent is to raise them up in the way they should go. And I tell you right now, they're not going to like it. There's going to be moments where they don't like it. And if I, as a parent, if my priority is for my kids to like me and love me, then I'm going to come up short. Because there's going to be moments where you need to speak into their life. And by you speaking into their life in love, they're not going to like you. They might actually hate you in the moment. And I've had it many times sitting at the table talking to my kids where they really don't like me because I'm telling them truth and training them in the way they should go. And sometimes I have to just say, look, my job is not to make you feel good. That's not my job. My job is not to make you feel good. My job is to train you in the way you should go. Because if you do that, you'll have hope. You'll have life. You'll have a good life. But if you don't, they're going to have death. And you partake in their death when you don't bring discipline to your children. You partner with them in death. Now, that doesn't mean children don't have responsibility. And at some point, they become adults and they have their own choices. And if they choose death, then they choose death. But you choose to discipline them in love. Don't discipline them out of anger. Another version of this in uh, the Amplified Classic talks about don't discipline out of anger. Which, parents, so easy to do. So easy. I think that is their job, is to make us angry. But just take a second, take a few, send them to their room if you can. Take a few breaths. Calm yourself down. And then go discipline them. But don't forget to go back and discipline them. Right? Sometimes we do that because it's just easier not to. It's way easier not to take away video games from my child. Everybody in the household pays. But that's our job. So. You can hate me, but your children, when they become adults, will love you for it. So, thanks. All right. As Mo talked about, Christmas season is upon us. Aren't you glad? Doesn't that make you just happy? I, I love this, this season. It's full of happiness and joy. Um, a lot of food, which is probably what makes me happy. A lot of good food. But I started thinking this week about the beginning of the Christmas story and how it begun. So we're going to take a look at that this morning, how the Christmas story began and what were people's responses to what was happening. Okay? How many of you think it's important how we respond? And that how we respond matters. So we're going to look at how the Christmas story starts. 
We're going to start with Zechariah. Zechariah was a priest, um, and his, let's just say, for better words, his unit was, it was their turn to serve in the temple. And he's an old man, and his, his wife is old, and they don't have any children, and they've been praying to have a child. So this has been their dream to have a child, but they're very old now, but they're still wanting a child. So we're going to pick up the story here. He's, he's in the temple. He gets chosen to go into the temple and burn incense before God. So he's the only one that gets to go. So he's in there, and this is where we pick up the story. This is Luke 1, verse 11. It says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you, will, you are to call him John. So you got to get this picture. He's in there. Now you have to remember when the priests would go into the Holy of Holies, they would tie a rope to them. So that if they died in there, they can pull the body out. Okay? Which means it's happened. <laughs> right? It, it, there's four, like, from what I remember, I don't think when God established the temple, he said to tie a rope to their leg. I don't think so. If that's in there. It might be. Maybe I might be wrong. But... For a reason, because dudes have died because they screwed something up in there. Okay? So you have to picture this is Zachariah's world here. And now he's in there, he's in the temple, and this angel shows up. And we're. This is where I don't want to go down the rabbit hole. And he's freaked out because he sees an angel. He's not like, oh, what a beautiful little creature this is. Oh, what's your name? Oh, your name's Maribel. How sweet. No. Yeah, okay. I'm not going down that road. Stay on task here. But he's freaking out, okay? Which is a normal response to seeing an angel, okay? And the angel says, hey, don't be afraid, okay? Really important. Because when you're in fear, you're not going to listen, right? So he says, don't be afraid. So we're past the, I'm here to kill you, okay? And then he says, hey, the thing that you have been praying for, God has heard and he's going to answer your prayer. See, this has happened before, right? Abraham and Sarah couldn't have children. They were old. God does, comes, says, hey, you're going to have a kid. They have a kid, right? Hannah wants a child, can't have a child. Boom, God says, yeah, well, you're going to have a child. Samuel's born. 
So there's a history of this happening, right? And Zechariah being a priest would definitely know this history of this happening. So this isn't something new or something never heard of before. And he's saying, I'm gonna, God has given you what you've asked for. He's given you the promise that you want. But this is Zechariah's response. Verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? Dude, there's an angel standing in front of you talking to you. I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. Zachariah, what is your problem? For a second ago, you thought you were going to be killed. And now he's saying you can have, you're going to have what you've desired for. And they're old. So this is something they have desired for years and years and years. And this is the angel's response. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. Oh, how we dare not treat the holy. It's not that the angels are the holy ones, but they're in the presence of the holy one. And they're sent by the holy one. It says, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Gabriel's like, don't you know who I am? Don't you know where I come from? And you're asking me this question? The thing you have been longing for, I am here to give you good news. And you're treating like it's bad news. Kind of like, what's wrong with you? Zachariah, what's wrong with you? And then he goes on, and you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. So because of Zachariah's unbelief, he was silenced. See, a good father brings discipline to the children he loves. See, there was a consequence to Zachariah's disobedience. His unbelief caused where he couldn't speak. Wow, it got really quiet in here. Yeah, God created a consequence. Right? Am I reading this wrong? It doesn't say Satan came and silenced him. But there is a consequence to his response to the word of the Lord. His response to a promise he was praying for. The response to God, we want a child. And God's like, you're going to have a child. He, his unbelief took over. It should have been the moment he was ecstatic. 
But he chose his unbelief. When his promise came, he he responded poorly. And his response cost him his voice. Because our response matters. Our response matters to God. And what he's doing. So Zechariah finishes his service time there in the temple. And he goes home. And Elizabeth gets pregnant. Which means he had to cooperate. With the promise. There's kids in the room, so we'll just leave it there. But you got to cooperate with your promise. So six months later, so the story goes on, six months later, we're going to pick it up before I get myself in trouble. So verse 26. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth. A, ta- a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at, at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So we have another encounter here with Gabriel. Same angel. Coming to decree something to somebody else. And this is six months later. And so far, we're doing good. He's like, do not fear. So again, I'm not here to kill you. And you have found favor with God. So this is what Mary knows to this point. You don't need to be afraid, and you found favor, right? How many would like to hear that from an angel? Yeah? Be awesome. Verse 31. This is where it goes off the rails. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Real quick, little sidebar here. We've been talking about legacy, right? Did you catch this? The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. That David built a legacy at this point is 28 generations later. And he's still getting credit. For the legacy he built. Not only that. The angel is declaring. That Jesus. The Messiah. The Christ. The one that's going to give it all. His father is David. The king of kings. Father. Is announced as David. What a legacy. That God was still honoring it 28 generations later and honored it with his own son. It's amazing. That's why legacy is so important. All right. The angel continued on. 
and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Verse 20, or 34, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? So the announcement that Gabriel brings to Mary is quite different than the one he brought to Zechariah. See, Zechariah, he was bringing something, for one, he was asking for. Two, it's been done before. But with Mary, he's declaring something that, is, that she definitely wasn't asking for. And that has never happened before. It's never happened. That's why she asked, how will this be? It wasn't out of un- unbelief. It was, hey, this has never happened before. I have no context for this. How, how is this going to happen? Because I'm a virgin. So she had gone to some sex ed classes. <laughs> Knew what it took to have a baby. So totally, but so her, her question wasn't out of unbelief. It was out of, I think, more out of how am I going to partner with this? What do I need to do in this? So, but this is his response. And Gabriel's response is quite different to Mary than it was to Zechariah. It says, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Because that clears it right up. You're going to be overshadowed by the Holy One. And you're going to get pregnant. She's like, they didn't teach me that one. That's a new thing. But she knew what it was, what it would be to be pregnant and unmarried. She had seen that before. She knew what would happen in her village to women that got pregnant that weren't married. And if you're engaged to somebody, if that happened, they can divorce you or stone you. That's the reality she was in when he's saying, hey, the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. And you're going to become pregnant. That's what is going to happen to you. That's going to be your reality. The rest of your life, you're going to have to deal with people whispering about you. And saying, oh yeah, that's Jesus. It's Mary's son. The son that she got pregnant before she was married. Why do you think people had such a hard time in his hometown when he declared he was the son of God? But this is Mary's response. 
Her world is about to get very difficult. Very hard. She doesn't know how Joseph's going to respond. She doesn't know how the world around her is going to... She probably fears how they're going to respond. But this is her response to Gabriel. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. See, Mary submitted herself to the lordship of God. She says, I am the Lord's servant. It's always a good place to start when you're interacting with God. Is I'm your servant. Because what that means is you give up all your rights. You give up your rights to choose. See, Mary gave up all control. She's basically saying, you get to tell me to do whatever you want to do. You get to control my life. Because I'm your servant. See, we're called to be servants. Our identity is supposed to be of a servant. It's also to be a son and a daughter. It's also to be a co-heir with him. But I've learned the more revelation I get about being a son of a good father that loves me, the way easier it is to be a servant. Because a son isn't worried about his status. A son that knows he's a son of a good dad doesn't care if people treat him like a son. They don't care if they're treated like a servant because they know who their father is. They don't need to be told how good they are. They don't need to say, I'm a son. I'm the son of this house. No, he already knows that. When I walk into my parents' house, I don't have to declare who I am. I don't have to declare that I'm their son. When other people are there visiting, I don't have to go to them and say, hey, I'm their son. Respect me or whatever. I should get the best spot at the table because I'm the son. No, I'm a good son, so I'm going to give them the best spot. I'm a good son, so I'm going to serve my family. I'm going to serve the people around me. I'm going to be fine with being treated like a servant. Because my identity is a son, so, so I get to serve. Well, I don't like that, Ryan, because I like to be... Problem is, Jesus said it, that we have to be the servant of all. That's what he said. Same with the apostles said the same thing. Said I'm a bondservant. So you can go argue with them. But to be a world changer, you got to be able to be a servant. Because world changers view themselves as servants of God.
the Lord's servants. And that's how Mary saw herself, so she could respond appropriately. She could respond the right way to something that God's asking her to do that's impossible. And then her second part of her response is this. May your, world, may your word to me be fulfilled. She's agreeing with the word. She's not, she's, only say, she's not only saying, I'm your servant, so I'll do what you ask me to do. But I agree with it also. I put my agreement with yours. That this is going to happen. She's cooperating with the promise that's given her, even though it's going to cost her dearly. So what does Mary do with the promise? Does she go complain to her family? Does she go hide? No, this is what she does. Verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was formed with the Holy Spirit, was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she explained, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But you may but sorry, but why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill this promise to her. So again, she gets into Elizabeth. John leaps in her belly because Jesus has entered the room. And the Holy Spirit comes upon Elizabeth. It's already on John, because the angel, we didn't read it, but the angel said the Holy Spirit will come on him before he's even born. But the Holy Spirit comes upon Elizabeth, and she prophesies. She doesn't know what's happened. Okay? They didn't have texts and phones and emails or social media. At the time. So she had no idea Mary has had this encounter. But she comes in. Holy Spirit comes on her. She prophesies. Again. You're going to have a baby. Again. You're not married. And you're going to have a baby. Again. Mary's confronted. With her reality. That she's pregnant. And she's not married. In a society that would not deal with that well. So she's confronted with it again. And this is before the angel has come to Joseph to tell him everything's going to be okay. That hasn't happened yet. He doesn't know she's pregnant yet. And this is Mary's response to Elizabeth. This is verse 46. And Mary said... My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will be called 
will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Her response to her situation was worship. Her response to a difficult thing that God was asking her to do. That she was going to get ridiculed for. Possibly stoned for. Good chance going to be divorced. Be the outcast of the village. Her response was worship and praise. And thanksgiving. That's what her response was. It wasn't, oh, what's going to happen? I'm so worried. Not, God, how could you do this to me? How could you ask this of me? Why am I put in this situation? This isn't fair. Why me? Which is normally what we would do, right? Like when something hard comes along, we're like, God, why is this happening to me? Why me? Why not my lovely neighbor that drives me crazy every Saturday night with their parties? Why not them? But no, her response was to worship. She chose to praise God and worship him. And she called herself blessed. I don't know if you caught that. Not only did she say, make it like I'm blessed, but all generations will call me blessed. The very opposite thing that's going to happen to her in the natural. She's declaring, oh, no, 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 no. This is God. I'm going to worship him and praise him for what he's doing. And I'm going to turn this situation around to where actually I'm going to be blessed. And every generation following me is going to call me blessed. Do we have that kind of reaction to our hardships? To when the guy cuts us off? On the freeway. What comes out of us when we're squeezed? See, out of Mary, when she was squeezed, worship came out. Praise came out. When Zachariah was squeezed, unbelief came out. So what's going to come out when you're squeezed? Jesus says it this way. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So the question today, what's in your heart? What's in our hearts? Is worship in our hearts? Is being a servant in our hearts? Is obedience in our hearts? Because we all are facing difficult things in life. But what's coming out? What's coming against you is always, that's all, something's always going to be coming against you. Life is life. The difference is how you respond to it. How you respond to it makes all the difference. What kind of outcome do you want? Well, that's the response you got to have. That's what's got to come out of us is the response of worship and praise. 
So this was her confession, her worship. This is verse 50. It says, His mercy extends to those who fear him. From generation to generation, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. She had this in her heart already. It doesn't say that the Holy Spirit came upon her and she started prophesying. Like Elizabeth. This came out of her own heart. This came out of her own life. This was already in her. And when she was faced with this situation, this is what came out. This worship, this adoration of God. Pulling up memories of how good he is. And how wonderful he is. That's what came out of her. Because that's what was in her. When we face the impossible, what we have stored up, the worship we have stored up in our hearts, the worship, the praise, the thanksgiving that we have stored up comes out. So when those impossible situations come and you don't know how to respond, if you haven't built that up, You're going to be in that spot of, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. But if you've spent your life filling that tank of worship and praise and thanksgiving, then when that impossibility comes, praise and worship and thanksgiving is going to pour out. And when it pours out, it's when God can do stuff. It gives a place for God to do things. See, he had to shut Zechariah up so he wouldn't screw it up. He's like, hey, this is happening, buddy. And I need you to be quiet because you're going to say something. You're going to worship something. You're going to worship unbelief. And I need John to come. Because I need Jesus to come. And Jesus can't come until John comes. Because I told a prophet. That there would be somebody. That comes to prepare the way. For my son. So he has to come before Jesus can come. So he's coming. So you can't talk for nine months. There was probably much peace in the house. Whenever he did something, Elizabeth probably said, oh, what'd you say? (laughs) Oh, that's right, you can't talk. You can't talk, you old man. Go sit in your corner and be still. But there's redemption for Zechariah. Back to catch back up with Zechariah. John's born. Elizabeth gives birth. 
John still can't, or Zacharias still can't speak. Eight days later, they bring him to the temple, and it's time to name the child. And everybody thinks they're going to name him after the father. Traditional to do. And Elizabeth's like, no, it's not going to be his name. And so the people didn't like that. The community around them didn't like that answer from Elizabeth. So they went, let's go find their fa- the father. Let's go find Zechariah. He's going to want his name stamped on this kid. And they go to him, and this is where we pick it up, verse 63. It says, he He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened, and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. So finally, after nine, ten months, Zechariah can properly respond to God. He hasn't been able to speak for at least nine to ten months. Could have been longer. And the very first thing he does is praise God. He had a little bit of a heart change during those nine months. But he praised God. That's what came out of him. That was his response. So how are we going to respond to the promises of God? And you're thinking, oh, yeah, when God gives me my promises, of course I'm going to respond well. Zechariah didn't. He got the promise he wanted, he was asking for, and did not respond well because it wasn't in his heart to respond that way. Unbelief. He let all those years of not having a child work his way into his heart and fill his heart with unbelief. So when that day came, that's what came out, was the unbelief that he had been storing up after year after year after year. Instead of filling himself with praise and worship, and God, you are so good. I don't understand why we don't have a child but you are so good. You are so good. I will praise you, even though I don't understand. But when he came back to have his voice, that was the first thing he did, was praise God. If I can have the band come up. So how should we respond to the promises of God? Well, we get to look at Mary. How did she do it? For one, first thing, she said, I am the Lord's servant. We position ourselves as servants. If you want to properly position yourself to respond to the promises of God, number one, you have to position yourself as a servant. Number two, she said, may your word be fulfilled. You got to believe and you got to obey. You got to be willing to believe what God's saying and you got to be willing to obey. The third thing, she said, My soul glorifies the Lord. You got to worship Him. You got to worship Him. 
When he comes to give you a promise, our response has got to be worship and praise. No matter if it's something that's happened before, and we have a testimony and a history of knowing that can happen again, or he comes with you with something that's never happened before, an impossibility, our response has got to be the same. So why don't you stand with me? So we're going to respond with worship today. But I do want to pray for for anybody in this room that wants a child and hasn't been able to have a child. Because we have a history. And we have a testimony. That God opens wounds. God gives children to people that are way too old or can't have them in the natural. So if you're here this morning, you're brave enough to say, hey, we want a child. It's not happening, but we want to be prayed for to have a child. If that's you, I'd love to pray with you. If you're brave enough, if you can come down, we'd love to pray. We have testimonies of people that could not have children have children because God comes and heals them and gives them a child. So if if there's anybody here that would like that, please come down. We'd love to pray with you because he's in the room. Jesus is in the room. But for everybody else, are you willing to position yourself as a servant? Are you willing to believe and obey? And are you willing to worship him when it doesn't make sense? So today we're going to spend a few minutes and just worship. But as you worship, you have to settle these in your heart. Am I willing to be a servant of him? Am I willing to be obedient and believe what he says? And I'm willing to worship when it doesn't make sense. Am I willing to fill my heart that when the impossible comes, worship comes out of it? Will I fill my day with worship or will I fill my day with unbelief? Will I feast on his goodness? Or will I feast on my lack? But we choose what we feast on. Which means we choose what comes out. So Holy Spirit, we're here. We're here for you to come into our hearts. And clean out all the unbelief. That we want our hearts filled with you. We want our hearts filled with worship of our King. We want our hearts filled with your goodness. Take out our unbelief. Change our mindsets that steer us in the direction of unbelief. 
that when we're faced with the impossible, worship comes out. That obedience comes out. God, cause you are here all around. So we open our hearts. I breathe you in. We breathe you into our hearts. You are here all around me. I breathe you in, God, cause you are here all around me. I breathe you in, God, cause you are here all Declare this God and you are good to me and when I don't understand I will choose you when I don't understand I will choose you God when I don't understand I will choose to facing an impossibility right now, a situation that just seems impossible, we want to gather around with you and agree that God is good. That in your situation, God is good. And His goodness is going to come forth in your situation. So if that's you, just slip up your hand. Just raise your hand. We want. So if you're not raising your hand, would you please gather around these and just release a prayer of his goodness over him. 
Yeah, so if you don't have your hand up, you should be moving to find people that do. If you got somebody with you, go ahead and put your hand down so we make sure everybody has somebody with them. Yeah. Okay, start praying over. Start releasing his goodness. That his goodness will reign in their situation. That he would, they would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So we release that over everyone in this room. That they would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That in the situation that seems impossible, that it would be broken today. That that situation today would be broken and the healing power of Jesus would come into that situation right now. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. That the impossible will become possible. Yeah, Jesus. Holy Spirit. Flood every situation right now. God, you are good to me. Yes, you yeah, are Jesus, good. So good. God, you are good. So just love on them. To Bless me. them. Bless you if we can have yes, the ministry come up. If you need prayer for healing or anything else, we have God, people here ready to pray for you. Love you. Have an amazing week. We'll see you back next Sunday. Yes, you are good.